discussions in the show should not be construed as specific recommendations or investment advice. Always consult with your investment professional before making important investment decisions. Securities offered through Cambridge Investment Research, a registered broker-dealer, member FINRA, SIPC, Investment Advisor Representative, Cambridge Investment Research Advisors Incorporated, a registered investment advisor, Cambridge and ECM Group are not affiliated. Welcome to the ExitCoachRadio.com network and the Retirement Matters Radio Show, where you can hear cutting-edge ideas and strategies to help you plan ahead for your retirement years. Every week, we interview top advisors, authors, and business owners to help you plan with clarity and confidence. And now, here's your host, Buck Blanton. Well, thank you, Spike Real, for that introduction, and welcome, friends, to our show today, the Retirement Matters Radio Show. Uh, wanted to just take a second and introduce uh, at least both of our guests today and also our sponsors. Sponsors are Delta Business Services, ECM Group, ExitCoachRadioNetwork.com, and the Ultimate Business Owner. Our first guest today is Doug Anderson. Doug is a CPA by trade, but is also the COO of Park Holdings, LLC. Doug, how are you today? I'm doing great, Buck. Thanks for having me on today. I'm, we're we're excited to have you on. We uh, I know from from our discussions, your your background is not only having been a CPA, but also been involved with running companies uh, from a financial side and also as an operating officer. But I think our topic that we discussed ahead of time today was going to be a little bit more based on uh, what venture capitalists might look for in a mergers and acquisitions situation and with a business owner who might be looking to buy or sell a company. Okay, that sounds great. A little bit about me, as you said, I, I'm, I am a CPA by background, uh, licensed in the state of Florida. Uh, oh. I also hold a, a charter, chartered global management accountant designation, which is a designation created by the AICPA, um, focused on practitioners who have been in, in private practice for uh, a number of years. And so uh, I've been practicing for about 20 years in both a large international accounting firm, started out at, at Ernst & Young, uh, as well as, as you said earlier, as the, in the CFO role. Uh, but I've been blessed and fortunate to be transitioned in, in both the organizations that I've been in uh, from the CFO role into operating unit leadership. Um, so in the mid-'90s, I started my career with Ernst & Young and began serving in their advisory and audit services group, and left there to become um, the CFO of a regional staffing firm. And after a few years in, the, in the strictly the financial role, uh, the owner of the company began tasking me with leadership roles in the company's different business units. And so through those roles, uh, both the, the financial role as well as the operating roles, you know, gave me a keen understanding of both, both sides of the businesses. And so then as we continued to grow and as the owner and the board determined that an exit strategy uh, was – our exit strategy would be a sale to a venture capital firm, uh, they wanted to make sure that uh, the representation from the company that would be speaking to the, the venture capital had an understanding of the financial aspect of the business. Uh, the venture capital firms uh, are very in tune with um, the financial aspect of the, of the organization. They have certain metrics that they're looking for, uh, and so typically – they're focused on speaking that financial language, but then also obviously the operations side, because they, they, once they get past the numbers, they want to know what's driving the business. Uh, and so through, the, through that combination of, of experience in my background, uh, I was promoted to um, the CEO of our organization and was instrumental, along with the board directors, in identifying our capital partners 
uh, and then successfully selling it to the to the capital firm. Uh, and so during that time, we grew our revenues from around $15 million when I joined the company to right at $50 million when we when we sold it. We expanded our locations from about seven to around 28 locations throughout the country. And we did that through a combination of both acquisitions and startups. So lived through both of those and, and understand the issues related to those as well. Um, and then after divesting of that company, uh, I joined the executive leadership team of an entertainment company uh, that you spoke about earlier, that we develop and design uh, and operate and manage regional theme parks and water parks across the country. And so in that process of developing parks and being engaged to uh, create feasibility studies and look at how you start a, a park, um, we also have to have the opportunity to look at a lot of, a lot of uh, acquisition opportunities as well. Um, so, so I've been through the wars on both the buying and the selling side of the equation, and uh, hopefully it can offer some, some clear un- insights to your listeners you know, based on my, you know, my own personal battle scars that I've endured uh, and those of a prospective buyer and seller as we've evaluated uh, and decided in a lot of cases chose not to do business for one reason or another. So um, you know, I've seen it from a couple different, couple different, both sides of the table, and um, I'm anxious to, to, to share with you. Well, absolutely. Fantastic. I think your skill set is is amazing for this process, Doug. And I wanted to ask you, I'm, I'm kind of thinking of a few questions, but the first one I'm going to ask, uh, having sat on both sides, seeing the acquisition or the sale uh, of businesses in this respect, well, let's drill down a little bit and ask uh, what aspects of the business would be very important to the buyer and then also from the seller's point of view? Well, the first thing that comes to mind, Buck, is you know focusing on your books, your financial records. Then um, that may be my financial experience coming out in me a little bit, but it really is a very real business issue. And part of the deal psychology that takes place is um, that when you, when a, the, one of the fastest ways to scare off a buyer, especially for sophisticated buyers like a venture capital firm, um, and like private equity firms, is to have sloppy books or, or, or inadequate books. Um, you know, the books really are your report card. They, they, are, they reveal uh, the results of your business. And so ultimately, you know, those equity partners want to see evidence of profit and either actual or potential growth. And so the inability to be able to produce information or the information uh, not being clear and concise uh, is is a really quick way to scare off a potential buyer. Um, one of the measures that I would probably recommend as it relates to your books uh, is to have your books audited. I know for a lot of business owners, particularly those that are fortunate enough to not have to uh, take on any uh, bank debt or any other debt from outside sources, you know, an audit may not be required. Um, and, you know, it it may not be something that's comfortable to go through, but you, it's, I would highly recommend having audited financials available uh, if you, once you begin the process of identifying that you, you, you want to prepare your business for sale, that's one of the first steps I would take. You know, it can be costly, uh, but it makes your business much more credible, makes it much more attractive, and really you have to look at it as it's an investment in, in your sale process. If you're not looking to sale, Maybe you don't, you know, have an audit. And you don't consider having an audit, but once you identify that you want to to, to sell your business, um, having those books cleaned up and, and going through an audit um, is a is a fantastic investment. 
and, and, and you don't want to put that off and, and take a long time, even if you're planning to wait another year or two. Um, one, the, often, the, the audit process can take a bit of time. Um, it also will, may identify some issues, uh, some things that are on your books that may take a little time to, to address. It may take a year or so to address specific things that are in your business, like you know, commingling of, of family assets or, or personal assets. And you know, if it's a sale of a building or if it's a um, – there are just other items, you know, insurance uh, policies, things like that, that take a bit of time. You don't want to wait till the last minute. So you want to go ahead and, and get those things taken care of. And as I said, it may, be, it may seem painful to go through an audit when you haven't uh, had to endure that. But what it's going to do is going to flush out those issues that you have. It's going to flush out those issues that are maybe buried in your financial statements. Um, and it may point out to you that you don't have the data available to sell your business anyway. Um, you, you have to have good financial data that not only makes sense to you, but that makes sense to your uh, to, to a prospective buyer. Um, a second aspect of your business that is critical is, is your successor or your team. Uh, there were a number of a number of times that we went to identify a business and the business the records were in good shape. They produced a fantastic amount of revenue, fantastic amount of, of net profit. The business was was run very well, and could have been very valuable. And it was producing good good cash flow for the owner. But the owner was the business. He main he or she maintained all the relationships, um, both with clients, with vendors. Um, they were the key person in the operations. Uh, they were the key person in the financial aspect of the business. And there really was no successor. And so to sell or to, or to buy that company and pay that owner uh, for his business and then him go away, he or she go away, we would have been left virtually with nothing. And so you know, really taking a strong look at your, at your team and a critical look at your team, um, and it, that, that gets difficult because – you may look at your team and, and, and you may like them. Typically, successful business owners who are in place to sell their business, um, you know, they have people that have been with them for, for a number of years. Uh, they've developed relationships with them. And they're not always that they have to go, but they need to be performing at a level where the removal of the owner is not going to disrupt the business because you're, you know, these private equity investors, these venture capital firms that come in, um, you know, they're looking to spend money. They're, they're looking to hand you money, and they want to know their sustainable business, you know, is there. And, um, and so many times you see a charismatic leader um, that, that really is the entire business, and it really creates a difficulty. I mean, they're, they're in a catch-22 because they, don't, they, they are the best at what they do. They're probably the best salesperson. They're probably the best at relationship management, the best manager in the, in the building. And it's producing great cash flow for them, but they simply can't get out of the business. If when they walk out, all of the relationships and business is going to is going to fall around them. So, you know that aspect of the business is something that that clearly needs to be focused on. Um, and then and then finally, you know what are your products and services you know, that really make up your business? Is there a differentiator? Uh, is there intellectual property related to that business that allows you to, to create value. Because, again, the investor, the buyer, is, is looking at uh, what are they going to have once, what are they buying. And so any way that your business uh, differentiates itself from its competitors, 
whether it is a by a you know a service delivery model, a way that you provide those your service, a differentiation in your product, um, some intellectual property that that um, differentiates you, that sets you apart. Um, those are going to drive value. Those are going those are going to maximize your uh, your selling price and create the most the most wealth and value for for you as a, as a seller. Okay, Doug, hold on just a minute. This information is fantastic, and I want to just take a break real quick, but let's come back. I want to ask something uh, before we get too far into the differentiation. I want to ask you a question or two about the management team and some of those issues. Listeners, we'll be right back. We're going to take a short break. ECM Group is the home of fiduciary coaching. Webster's Dictionary says a coach is one who instructs or trains. At ECM Group, we instruct and train 401k plan fiduciaries to understand their role and responsibilities in guiding their corporate retirement plan. If you are like most business owners or executives, you need to run your business or do your job full-time, and 401k fiduciary compliance just isn't your day-to-day skill set. Let the prudent experts at ECM Group coach you through the 401k minefield of fiduciary compliance. For information, contact Buck Blanton at 904-955-0853. That's 904-955-0853. Listeners, we're on right now with Doug Anderson of Park Holdings, LLC, and we're leaning on Doug's experience as a CPA, uh, but also in uh, the joint, uh, I'm sorry, the venture capital area, uh, and things that buyers and sellers look at involved in these acquisitions and mergers with businesses. Uh, Doug, we were we were going on from looking at the management team and maybe the owner being the hero of the business, and then we started kind of going into a different piece. But I want to go back into that, but I want to ask you a question. Uh, when we look at the management team, how important or non-important is it that that part of that team is family to the owner? Well, you know, part of it comes down to knowing what you're trying to achieve in terms of the exit and understanding if um, upon the exit, you know, are the family members leaving and are the family members going to be or are the family members looking to to stay in the business and, and work in the business. And so, you know, if the answer to that is the latter, that they're looking to stay in the business, um, the evaluation of them in their roles you know, it's critical. And again, that's, that's one of the more difficult aspects of, of a family business and, and looking at the sales strategy, because when you look to sell it, now it's not, you know, I'm not just managing my family member. I'm not just looking to say, okay, can my family member, you know, cut it in that role. Now it's a third party that's looking at them and saying, is that the very best, whatever that family member might be, purchasing manager, bookkeeper, salesperson, you know that's where the critical eye comes in, and then they're going to be looking to say, "Okay, I have an independent business here that I'm buying into. Is that the very best person I can have in that role?" And so, um, you know, selling your businesses, you know, it, it's like parting parting ways with something that's near and dear to you, and and those questions have to be answered related to your family members because they're, you know, they're, they they won't be looked at as family members; they'll be looked at as whatever their titles are and whatever their roles are. Okay, uh, and I. I brought you back to that. I wanted to kind of throw that back out. And we we were headed down the road of what differentiates your business. Is it a, a product, a service, intellectual capital? Let me ask you a question. Uh, based on the runway 
that we have. You, you said start a little earlier than you think. I think that's really good advice because I think business owners tend to think that they can sell their business to who they want to, they can sell it when they want to, and they can sell it for how much they want to, and all they have to do is you know, just say, my business is for sale. And I'm, I'm really a proponent of starting early and, and, and really turning on the lights in the business and seeing what's good and what's not so good. Uh, one of the things I would ask is, you know, I'm, I'm a business owner, uh, and we're looking to sell our business in the near future, but I've also got a couple of ideas or a line or two that I might add or want to diversify my business. If I were to, is this a good time to do that, or do I want to wait until after, uh, do, just not do it, or do I want to try to do it before we look at uh, selling the business to someone coming in talking to us? Well, that, I mean, that's a great question, Buck, and, and uh, you know, back to your comment, um, you know, you, timing is everything as it relates to to selling your business, and uh, you know, when you think about, I think you're exactly right that. that Business owners, particularly ones that are doing well, which are the ones that typically are ready to sell and 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 uh, and cash out on their success, you know, they think, well, I'm growing it and it's making me money. It's, I'm I'm doing very well. I'm providing for my family. I'm, I'm I'm saving lots of money. I've done you know I've done I've done really well with what I have. Anybody can just take over this and, and run it. And you know that that is a common misconception because the person that's coming in, there's a lot of there's a lot of attributes to your business that. Just because you're doing a, having a great business and running a great business uh, and being financially successful, it doesn't necessarily mean it's sustainable. And, and the, the buyer is looking for sustainability, and they're looking to be able to continue that and actually build upon that because they're at risk for the money that they're paying to, to, the, to, the, uh, to, the, to the seller. And so, you know, the, the question of diversity is, is a great one. And I, I'll tell you that in, in one of the staffing businesses that we, that we sold – um, that was actually one of the issues that we ran into. Uh, quite frankly, we we felt like um, that the more diverse we were in terms of the lines of business that we had, the more attractive we'd be. That we'd be attractive to more people because now you are you're open to a larger population of, of companies that would look to buy you. And so my my comment on that would be, you know. Have, a, have in mind who you think your buyer is going to be. Have in mind what kind of company you think is going to provide the greatest value for you to sell. Uh, because what we found in that scenario that I just explained was that what we were actually doing was we were minimizing the number of people who actually had that many diverse business lines, and people were scared of business lines that they didn't understand. And so our diversity in that case actually hurt us some. Um, however, if you have a business line that you can bring up and bring up quickly and, and it can add profitability and it can add to your bottom line, ultimately you're going to be, be getting paid a multiple of your, of your earnings. You're going to be paid a multiple of your EBITDA. And so, you know, if you think you're going to be looking to sell in the next couple of years and the runway for profitability on a new business venture is that three-year mark or that five-year mark, and before then you're going to be either feeding that or it's going to be breaking even, I would recommend that you not you, know, you not pursue that because all that's going to be doing is driving down the value uh, for that prospective buyer who's looking and saying, okay, well, if you're you know that that's losing money, and so therefore that's driving down your earnings. So therefore, I'm going to pay you a multiple on your diminished earnings. If you're truly at a place where you've identified you want to sell and you know you want to sell uh, in the near future, 
do everything you can to to maximize your profits, to drive your earnings up, and and make sure that you are um, you know not in, over investing in any area that isn't going to have returns immediately as you try to maximize that. From a diversity standpoint, one thing that you should be making sure of, Buck, though, is that you know your customer base is diverse. Um, that's an area where you know. Simply put, the more customers you have contributing to your sales revenue without you know, a few dominating that figure, the more valuable your business is. Um, you know, it's very important when you're selling your, your business to know your customer base, um, know their businesses, know how they're doing, uh, because that has a major impact on the value of the business in the marketplace. So, you know, a diverse customer base means your revenue comes from a number of different clients, um, not just a couple, not just two or three, and preferably comes from multiple sources, you know, other than just your primary service. And so, um, with, with you know, with any of these value drivers we're talking about, it's all about risk. So, you know, to having a, a small concentration of customers dominating your revenue puts your company at risk. This is it what is while you're driving it, but particularly when you're trying to sell it, it's going to it's going to scare potential buyers. Well, that's that's an excellent point. Now, now let me ask you here. Let, let's run this chronology here real quick. Uh, I've got a business, and I'm I'm thinking that I may want to sell it. I'm I'm bringing someone in, uh, or I have somebody. If I'm really lucky, like you, uh, to say we need to turn the lights on. We need to well ahead of time go ahead and look at the books and other issues in our company. We need to look at our management team. We need to do some things necessary here to decide if we're going to uh, expand any lines in this time or not. I think the the next thing that our listeners might be thinking is all that is makes perfect sense, but now, Doug, where do I go to find the right buyer for my company if I haven't been approached by somebody yet I want to sell my company? The business broker is is your best friend in this, I and mean, they they have networks of people who are looking to purchase companies, and and you know, so you want to hire somebody who represents you, and and I think you you hear me repeating over and over in terms of hiring, you know, hire a great team of people internally, great managers, great people, that's that's part of what you're selling to the buyer. Hire a good CPA firm. You don't have to have you know a big four multinational firm. Um, but but audited financials provide you with credibility. It tells that seller that their the books have been looked at and reviewed by someone other than you. And then you know hiring that business broker. Uh, I think one of the biggest mistakes I see is having uh, when when business owners try to sell their business on their own, um, even if they've identified who they want to sell to and who they need to sell to, um, having a broker. Just like any, brokering any other sale, look for the pitfalls, advise you on something. This is probably the biggest transaction of your life. You've built this organization. You have a credible organization. You have, you've sidestepped all of the other issues we talked about with concentration, with family members, with all those things, and now you're ready to sell it. You, know, you don't want to leave it to intuition. You don't want to leave it to, to guesswork on, or, or, or that's enough money for me. That's what it should be. You know, business brokers can help you identify um, the, the pitfalls that, that, they, that they go through. They, they do this every day. They've sold multitudes of, of companies. And so you've, you've only done it once or you've never done it. And so hiring a good, uh, you know, having a good broker on your side really helps with that process. Um, but, but beyond that, you know, looking for where you look for buyers is, you know, your competitors. You know, obviously your competitors 
um, they're looking, you know, they, they know who you are. And so they, you know, you, know, you want to keep your, your friends close and your enemies even closer, you know, knowing who your competitors <laughs> are, not being scared to have a relationship with them, not being scared to have a dialogue with them. Uh, some of the best purchases that we ever made were folks that we competed with, you know, tooth and nail and fought with them in the marketplace uh, for, 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 for customers and competed with them. Uh, those were those ended up being great buys because we, we really knew who they were. We knew how they operated. Uh, you know, allowed us to, to find ones that had integrity, ones that, that had uh, more common values, uh, and, and lend themselves to you know to a better purchase. Um, but they're they're great because a lot of a lot of competitors are looking to pick up geographical expansion or just expand their market share. And, and frankly, sometimes they want to buy you because they want to eliminate you. They want to eliminate the competition. And so, you know, those, those are, that's a great place to look. You know, also your, your trade association conferences, you know, get, be active at those trade associations and the conferences there because you can meet, you meet lots of different people in that spectrum. Um, vendors who might be looking for uh, uh, some sort of vertical uh, strategy, uh, and same with the customers. You might have customers, you're, you might, in talking to your customers, they may be looking to insource whatever service you provide to them, and possibly. So, so really just looking, you know, both within your industry, but also, you know, up and down the, the vertical chain there as well to your customers and vendors. Well, Doug, if you would, uh, this has just been dynamic information. I sure appreciate you being on today. Can you give your contact information to our listeners so if they have other questions or issues, they could call or or maybe email or find you? Sure. Again, my name is Doug Anderson, and I can. my email address is danderson at park, P-A-R-C, management.com, and that's probably the easiest easiest way to catch me. Well, that's, that's awesome. And, Doug, thank you again for being with us today. Uh, we really appreciate this. This has been an area we haven't really covered yet, and I sure appreciate your time and our ability to do it. Well, I appreciate it, Doug. Thanks for the opportunity, and, and um, look forward to speaking with you soon. That'll be great. Everyone, we're going to take a break real quick, and we'll be right back. Uh, our next guest is Larry Bell. You've had Larry Bell on the ExitCoachRadio.com network with Bill Black. We've interviewed him once. We're going to come back and do it again because we talked about buy-sell agreements last time, and I'm not sure we got through that completely, and I wanted to do that and then go into some other items. We'll be right back. You've been listening to the Retirement Matters Show with Buck Blanton on the ExitCoachRadio.com network where we upload new one-minute tips and 20-minute interviews every day from our expert hosts on a wide variety of topics. And if you're on the go, you can listen from your smartphone. Just type in ExitCoachRadio.com on your mobile browser. Come listen for a minute for ExitCoachRadio.com. I'm Spike Reel saying so long for now. Discussions in the show should not be construed as specific recommendations or investment advice. Always consult with your investment professional before making important investment decisions. Securities offered through Cambridge Investment Research, a registered broker-dealer, member FINRA, SIPC, Investment Advisor Representative, Cambridge Investment Research Advisors Incorporated, a registered investment advisor, Cambridge and ECM Group are not affiliated.